Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are going to be discussing the 1993 supernatural horror thriller, <laughs> Doppelganger. Holly has found someone new. Sorry, I scared you. Someone very secret. It's very romantic. Someone who hides from us all. Another self, a deeper, darker side that is capable of the unimaginable. Fear, anger, hatred, the darkest, most primal. Part of her no longer hides inside. Look, just don't touch me. Don't confuse me with her. She may look like me, but she's not. It has awakened and taken control. It's probably forced out by some kind of trauma. What does it want? Somebody attacked you, all right? And now, the only thing she has to fear is herself. Hey, trailer. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddlestone? I do. I do. So as you said, it's a 1993 film. I wanted to preface this by saying, as we always do, we spoil these. This movie has a crazy ending. So yeah. if, if you hear the description and you think you'd be interested in this and you like crazy en- endings, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, neither of us had ever heard of this before. This came up on Prime as a, you know, something you might like for me. I watched it uh, just based on the description. I didn't know who was in it or anything. But uh, then I found out it has Drew Barrymore in it. So Doppelganger is a 1993 film. It's also known as Doppelganger, The Evil Within, listed as an American supernatural horror thriller, uh, written and directed by Avi Nestor and starring Drew Barrymore and George Newbern of Father of the Bride fame. So the story follows Holly Gooding, Drew Barrymore, who moves from New York City to Los Angeles after being implicated in the murder of her mother. And uh, in the the beginning, there's a scene where Drew Barrymore, quote unquote, or Holly Gooding, stabs her mother to death. Uh, Her mother is actually played by Drew Barrymore's real life mother. Hmm. Um, uh, She then she goes to Los Angeles. She's followed by what is apparently her evil twin. While in Los Angeles, she finds a room for rent uh, with a writer named Patrick Highsmith. That's George Newbern. After some strange uh, occurrences, it becomes less and less clear whether the woman is, in fact, Holly or her doppelganger. So we'll leave it there and then we'll get into it. So what did what did you think of this movie, Chris? Well, last chance to jump ship if you don't want us to spoil it. Okay, so and here we go. Oh, this movie was very, <laughs> um, very strange. I, I don't want to just tear it apart because 
there was some really interesting stuff in it. I think it was kind of a hot mess if you take the thing as a whole. Um, it Several big stretches of it I just found to be almost unwatchably boring, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it was trying to be this kind of like very dated feeling slapsticky like fast talking he's the, the, so the the male lead has a a friend who is a writing partner and she talks a mile a minute and she's a wise ass and she literally talks so fast that it's a little hard to sometimes keep up with what she's saying and it's all, it's just sort of this string of cliche stuff she says you know she's too cool for school she's kind of over it and jaded um, you know, when Drew Barrymore shows up at this guy's apartment, uh, looking, he, he wants to rent, he's going to lose the apartment cause he can't pay his rent. And so he's obviously posted a listing. It's really just a one bedroom apartment. Uh, but she shows up saying, you know, she wants to stay there. And it, there's this scene where he's kind of like, the girls you know it's mm-hmm. just the craziest thing he's doing all these double takes he's like having to close his mouth it's it's borderline um cartoon you know he's not he's not a uh, magazine heartthrob but he's not a bad looking guy you know it's like it's hard to believe that this guy wouldn't have ever had a relationship with it was just weird it was just crazy weird um and then the ending, by the time you get to the ending, it's almost a different movie. Yeah. Um, we get to the ending, and then it's almost a different movie, and then all, all, within 10 minutes, it's almost yet a different <laughs> Another movie. Another different movie, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, so and I thought that the last two movies were really oh, – and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it. But mm-hmm. as a whole, it was just this kind of like – Really boring soup with two interesting things floating in it. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, I mean, what That's did you good, uh, before I go on and on? Like, what did what did you think? Yeah, yeah, that was. I felt pretty much the same way. It's very nineties. Um, it's very. not a. This isn't a. By the end of it, I felt very much like it was a so bad it's good movie, and the definitely the ending or the two endings elevate it to that. It's not a so bad it's good movie in terms of it's not really poorly made. It's not like you're seeing boom mics in the shot and, you know, right. there's bad audio and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's competently put together, um, you know, in sense of how it's filmed and recorded and all that. Drew Barrymore. And this is one of these things where I don't, I don't want to sound harsh, but outside of E.T., you know, as a child, she and it's been a long time since I've seen E.T., so I don't really remember her performance, but I've never found her to be a good actor. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, she's charming and and she's likable and, you know, she's obviously been a gigantic star. But in this and in a lot of movies, just her line delivery is so stilted and, mm. you know, you know what I mean? Um, I I do know what you mean. I, first of all, she was great in ET. Um, yeah, yeah. Second of all, she's asked to do quite a bit in this. Actually, she's asked to play two different versions of herself. You know, kind of yin and yang, good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And part of this is the script and part of this is the directing for sure. But it's a little stiff all the way around, right? So yeah. the good version of her is at times almost um, puritanically Christian and and straight-laced. And then the evil side of her is, you know, you know, brutally stabbing people with a knife and sort mm-hmm. of glowering and glaring. And um, it's certainly not the worst performance. He, I was going to say I've seen on screen, but it's, it's certainly not the worst performance we've even discussed on this podcast. Oh, no, no, definitely, definitely not. But but there is something that is a little um, like the camera loves her. It's yes. not hard to look at her on camera, but um, – it it is falls to her to carry this movie and and she doesn't really yeah and i imagine this was you know i don't know exactly how this pl- placed in her filmography but i imagine this is it seems that they were trying to make this an erotic thriller sort of along the lines of basic instinct. I forget if basic instinct i mean we covered that a few weeks ago but i think that was 92 so that was probably mm-hmm. before this but it seemed that they were this seemed like this was her trying to shed her child image because she's nude in this movie. Um, yeah, that's right. And yeah. there's sex scenes in it. And it's it's like it's supposed to be erotic, but it's not. You know, nothing about this really seemed sexy. I mean, she looks really great in the movie, but it's just not. You know, there's not anything really erotic or sexy about it other than there it's are sex It's a little scenes. jarring, isn't it? I mean, yeah. she doesn't look like a little girl in, in here at the age she is. But there is something, and, and a dash of it is effective because she reads as sort of so sunny and wholesome mm-hmm. that when she's doing the evil stuff and on the dance floor and sort of caressing herself, her body, that, you know, there's a kind of a, discomfort that I felt like not Drew Barrymore. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. I don't know where that comes from <laughs> Yeah, uh, or, wh- or what, but it didn't quite, uh, it didn't quite gel. Yeah, exactly. And as the movie progresses, so the, uh, uh, the, what is his name again? I've already forgotten what is the character's name is Peter or whatever. The guy, yeah. Patrick, yeah, Patrick, the guy. So he keeps there's a lot of scenes and and I I didn't really even understand the the need for these scenes other than to get him out of the apartment. There's a lot of there's this this subplot of him and the writing partner and it's all about them trying to you know get scripts or whatever. So there's a lot of scenes. They're in L.A. Yeah, they're in L.A. Lots of shots of them at a coffee table in a coffee shop or surrounded by tons of other people working on scripts and stuff, yeah. too. And see, the only thing that really seems to serve is to get him out of the apartment where he continually sees Drew Barrymore, um, the doppelganger. And and when it's good Drew, she wears these sunny, bright-colored dresses. And when it's bad Drew, she's all in black, her head is covered, and she has big black sunglasses. And he keeps seeing... Um, you know, this, this figure like standing outside of the coffee shop, staring at him. And after the first time they sleep together, him and, and you think good drew, um, the next morning he says, uh, you know, last night was great or whatever. And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. 
And he says, you know, we slept together last night. And and then that's when she reveals to him, oh, th- that's the doppelganger. I have this doppelganger. So, you know, he doesn't know if she's crazy or what. She has this psychiatrist back in New York who she's either continually calling him or she's saying she's going to to call the psychiatrist. So most of the movie, we don't really know what's going on. Is this, um, does she have a, a split personality? Is this her dressed uh, in black when he sees her. But we finally get towards the end of the movie. The doctor claims that she's multiple personality. Yeah, the doctor claims that she has multiple personality. And people are are being killed. She has a brother who is in a, um, in a, some kind of institution there. And he gets stabbed. And she gets accused of doing that. And um, we finally get towards the end of the film where Patrick has Drew Barrymore uh, stay with the writing partner. And I forget, he goes out to do something and he sees the double and follows after her. He calls back to his partner's apartment and Drew Barrymore is there. So at that point, we know it cannot be literally two people. Yeah, literally is two people. And we know that it cannot be Drew Barrymore, you know, the... Uh, this Holly uh, Gooding, you know, she's not two different people. And uh, her family has this large mansion, kind of abandoned mansion in Los Angeles, which they go to once or twice and early in the film. And Patrick's, they're going to go inside and Patrick sees this figure in the window. And Drew Barrymore says, okay, we're not going to go in. Well, at the end of the film, uh, she is called by the double to meet at the um, at the mansion. She goes there, and then this is where we get into the ending. And maybe Chris, you you tell what happens once she gets <laughs> to the mansion. I really want to take my time with this because okay. it's. I, I'm I'm looking at the thing. Were you we're laughing out loud? I was in. laughing out loud. I think I was, I think my jaw was hanging open. Uh, I think Mm. I was just like, I actually rewound it. You know, I was like, what the? So. Was there more that you want to talk about before we get to the end? No, no, because there's just, I don't, you know. That's pretty much basically it. It's just them, you know, it's him meeting with the writing partner and he keeps seeing the double, you know. Act two just feels like it's more or less the same couple of scenes on repeat. Yeah. You know, we established that they have sex. Uh-oh, that wasn't me. That was her. What? She's crazy. But he doesn't kick her out. He goes out and meets with the writing partner. They go some some party. They, um, you know, it's just, it's sort of like, oh, she's crazy. Oh, no, she's nice. Oh, she's crazy. Oh, no, she's nice. Right? And it just yeah. kind of, I mean, we get a few things are sort of revealed, but... He sleeps with her again. Like he doesn't, it's not, it doesn't, it sort of corkscrews very gradually down. It doesn't drive forward. Um, and, uh, and I feel like you could have made the same movie and you could have cut 25 minutes out of the middle of it if you had just used some of the key scenes more economically to drive the, the plot through. Sure. Um, and also, I don't know why they saved what we're going to reveal um, for the end, but we should talk about it. So, first of all, we get to 
we we have a reveal. She goes in and there are a series of mannequins that she sort of discovers, like um, dressing dummies. And on these dressing dummies are a variety of different outfits with a complete with a like full head mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one is sort of like, what don't I recognize? Right. You're, what's this? It's sort of it's weird and a little bit creepy. You're like at first you think it's a person and then you think, oh, no, it's just a, it's like a dressing dummy in clothes with um, some sort of a fake face or a mask. And then then you see that there's more of them, and then you realize that, oh, these are other characters we've seen. And to nail the point home, we have a little flashback from all the scenes. Oh, one is that producer guy. One is the guy who came to fix the cable or the gas, check the gas meter in the house. All these little walk-on parts that acted weird in their various ways. Mm-hmm. Um and you think, uh, so, you know, my, my mind was going, so what, the doppelganger is dressing up as these other people, right? Like, wh- what am I looking at here? Because it's also set up like a pageant. Like, it's really set up so, like, you walk in the house and you walk down a red carpet and here's this row of these <laughs> complete costumes yeah. with, and, and it's also Mission Impossible. It's like you, you get John Voight acting a part and then Tom Cruise kind of and then he reaches and pulls off a rubber face and it's Tom Cruise underneath right and he's yeah. holding this sort of dumb looking latex mask and you're just supposed to be like oh wow mask technology got really great um some you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't okay <laughs> and, and but 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 and so here we go oh it's not the doppelganger it's the doctor who has been obsessed with her He's crazy, right? And he's been dressing up as all these different things. And I think he kind of reveals his evil plan, but I he, don't I honestly don't remember what he says to her cuz my head was I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so let's let's step back for a second. So the so pa- the boyfriend follows her there. Okay? So so Drew Barrymore, she goes in and the doppelganger comes out. So there's there's good Drew Barrymore dressed in a white dress. And then there's the doppelganger dressed in black who comes in and, and injects her in the neck with, you know, some kind of something to knock her out. In that scene, I cracked up laughing because... That happens as soon as she walks in the door? Uh Yeah, pretty much as soon as she, she doesn't, comes in there. We, so we haven't seen the... We haven't seen no, the mannequins no, we, yet. Yeah, we haven't been... Well... I I believe it's the it's the boyfriend who actually finds the mannequin. The mannequin. Because he climbs in, he follows her and he climbs in up like the second story window. And that's okay. where all the mannequins are. And he like falls and like bumps into them and he sees the mannequins and everything. And he so, meets the doctor. Yeah, he meets the doctor. So downstairs you you have what's supposed to be bad Drew and good Drew. So bad Drew in the in the black injects good drew in the neck to knock her out and then lifts her up and that was hilarious that i was cracking up at that because (laughs) they would they would like you know this was pre-cg technology so they couldn't really have the you know double drew barrymore so they'll show the the one in black you know close up and they'll show the one in white close up and it's clearly drew barrymore and throughout the movie 
anytime Patrick sees the evil Drew, it's clearly Drew Barrymore, the actress playing that, right? Right, right. Well, when we're in the house here and, you know, uh, she's knocked out by the doppelganger, the doppelganger picks her up and it's clear that this is not somebody it's like the size is way off and you're like it looks like a guy in a terrible wig it looks Uh, like a guy in a terrible wig and so you're like what the hell like this does not you know they picked so you know i'm you know it's not revealed what's happening yet so i'm like wow they got a really horrible double to pick this so she's then placed on the couch well in the meantime the uh patrick is coming down the stairs and uh the evil uh, Drew or the doppelganger runs out and stabs him in the leg or hits him in the leg or something. He falls down, starts fighting with the evil Drew character. And then that's when he pulls off the mask and it is the doctor. Believe it or not, I forgot about okay. that. Believe and it or not, I forgot about that reveal. Yeah, yeah. Because so. it's so confusing and strange. <laughs> yeah. So then you go... Then you go, oh, so there aren't really two Drews. It was, it was Doctor Nutjob the whole time. Yeah, right. And he uh, apparently he can be like a two hundred and forty pound six <laughs> two Hollywood producer at the club, and he can be the spitting image of Drew Barrymore, one hundred twenty pound woman. Yeah, you know, right. who's like five five or something. You know. Um, right. Okay. So, so, but, so just take a minute and digest all that. Okay. Cause then if we stopped there, it is kind of a classic formula for a thriller movie, right? Uh, it's psycho. Oh, it's not mother. It's, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's the son who dresses up as his mother and the corpse is upstairs, right? It was the son all along. And he's nuts, and he's keep calling mother, and we think mother's the one that's cutting these girls up. It's not; it's him dressed as his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see it again and again, and you'd think, okay, well, you know, valiant effort or whatever, but it just didn't work. Um, the twist came real; it's too too crazy a twist, and it came on too fast right at the end, and you didn't yeah. you didn't build the crescendo well enough. And then you could roll the credits, and you could be like, okay, you know. C minus D D minus. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how yeah. hard you want to be on it, but not sure. not effective. However, <laughs> it's a double <laughs> twist. How, however, <laughs> twist literally. So then, what happens is, oh my, it's him. It's crazy. Oh, and he was in love with. Uh, he was in love with her. Obsessed. Obsessed with her, and he was going to. His plan was. If I, you know, she, she quote unquote is killing all these people, then she's going to be in the asylum and I can be her doctor forever and she'll never leave me, you know. You know, and I'll probably get some sort of custody over the family fortune too. There was that. Yeah, yeah. Of it also, I think. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so then, so here, here we find ourselves with good Drew Barrymore is sort of tied somehow on the couch, was she actually tied? But her hands are yeah, you know, crossed so. up above mm-hmm. her head and her ankles are crossed down right. the other end of the couch and she's semi-conscious. We've got evil Dr. Doolittle um, sort of in drag as bad Drew Barrymore. 
And revealing his plan, his master plan. Yes, to and and you know maniacally and sweating and uh, being like, it's up, it's perfect. Don't you see how brilliant? And right, and he's wielding a knife, and he's about to finish off our um, male lead, who is, you know, been pretty seriously injured in the leg and is in no shape to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think, oh, doesn't this is a tight spot? Doesn't look good for a lover boy here. Then. <sighs> Drew sort of starts screaming, right? Then it takes a really supernatural turn. Drew sort of starts screaming and sweating, and the windows blow open a la poltergeist, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this crazy force. And we have seen some gestures uh, of this earlier. They're, the first time they made love, the window kind of blew open, and the tree was sort of bashing in the window, and there was some other, like, you know, you could just say that was the storm, but it was similar to what happens here. But this one is unmistakably supernatural. The windows blow com- blow inward with this crazy force. And Drew starts contorting and twisting on the couch. And there's all of this crazy practical effect stuff that comes into play where just to just to abbreviate it a little bit, she sort of twists like a pretzel stick, right? You know, like yeah. a braided pretzel stick and turns into, for a minute, it looks kind of like a big worm. Yes, exactly. And and then it goes, through, and this goes on and on. <laughs> they take their time with this. Then it sort of splits down the middle into two figures, that look alien. They look like they, um, they're they very tall, very thin, uh, and it looked like, you know, like all of the skin had sort of been stripped off of them. It just looks like kind of raw muscle, but very, very impossibly thin and tall. And there's two of them, and the, there's a dominant one and a sort of a, a, a weak or a faint one, and the, and the dominant one sort of backhands the other one, which collapses on the couch. And then the dominant one you know starts coming into the room and i honestly don't remember does it kill the doctor so it fights with the doctor and the doctor he has a a big knife that he had uh, i think that he'd used to stab patrick with in the leg and he stabs he stabs the creature in the chest um and then the i think the um I think the creature throws him out the window and then right and he lands guess where he lands he lands on the fence that has the spiky you know the kind of yeah. arrowhead the iron rot fence with yeah the, because we've never seen that before right yeah that's a that's definitely a cliche and then um sh- so um she so then what happens which is another great thing so the after the the you know the dominant one as you said has killed the doctor then the reverse change happens and they twist all the two twist all back together but there's a moment where it sort of considers killing the the kid too right yeah 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 and i couldn't interpret why it didn't it sort of advances on him menacingly and then you know it's an animatronic face so it's 
upper lip is sort of writhing and its eyes are sort of rolling and there's sort of twitching going on the face. But it's not acting. Like, you don't know what... And then it's sort of... It doesn't talk or anything. Right. It's not like it hears something. It just sort of turns and then goes back over to the couch where the two of them... Literally, some of the shots are just in reverse. Um, you know, morphs back into Drew, who then wakes up. And the great thing about this, one of the things that I really loved that I that I, I there were a lot of this I was just laugh. I was watching this by myself and just laughed out loud. And another thing that made me laugh out loud is they twist back together, and it's Drew in the dress that she was wearing. So it formed, the, you know, right. it's not like you're like, okay, right. it would make sense for her to have no clothing at this point, but she just goes back to it. She's wearing the dress that she had, but she's bleeding from where she's been, where stabbed. the one was stabbed. So, um, the police bust in and, um, the, I forget exactly. Police. So the, yeah, the police bust in. Always 10 minutes late. Like yeah. <laughs> just, of course, that's when they bust in. They don't bust in while there's two monsters walking around. So we then cut to uh, a funeral. So she has died, and there's a funeral, and the dude is there, and his writing partner is there, and I don't know, there's a couple other people. I forget who they were. And so it's she's dead, and you're like, after all of this, she's going to be dead? And then another Drew walks in in this slinky dress and I, I think maybe kisses the guy or something like that. And then it that right, was a they dream. Get, they get hot and heavy at the funeral. Yeah, they get hot and heavy at the funeral and then he as, wakes as up people do. As screaming people do. Or something, yeah. He wakes up in the hospital and she is there in the hospital and he's in the uh you know, he's seated next to her and it's basically and that's basically the end, right? It's like, oh now he's going to live happily she ever survived after. She something. survived. He saw her split into two creatures. Right. But he's committed, and it's like they're going to live happily ever after. Him and, you know, this the two girl of them. who's a monster. <laughs> yeah, there is also some explanation. Don't they go? He goes to meet some woman who's running like a sex hotline to explain the doppelganger. Yeah, she explains. She him. gives him like the scientific breakdown or the mystical breakdown of what the doppelganger is and how it happens and how they think. And and that was like, something what? that was something funny. I know. I know doppelganger is is a strange word, but do people not know the word doppelganger? I mean, I I feel like it's fairly common because there's a part in it where. Um, they actually, I guess the filmmakers thought like, Hey, people might not know what this word means. So we have to explain. So there's actually kind of like an exposition scene where he's, it's like, he's giving the dictionary. I think he's talking to the partner and it's, he's like, it's, uh, her doppelganger and doppelganger. Read it. Yeah. And she reads the definition. It's like doppelganger is a German word that means double, you know? And it's like, okay. I mean, I guess maybe that was, maybe not everybody knows the word doppelganger, but that was very funny to me. But yeah, then he, he goes to the, and it was like the woman is a, she didn't, wasn't it like she used to be a nun or something. And then she became a, a sex That's phone right. sex operator, yeah. which is, you know, a common sister, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which is a common, uh, you know, work trajectory for people you you, you, you leave the, the nunnery time. and then you go work for a phone sex line. i don't know but yeah he you know she tells him some mumbo jumbo about dealing with the, the doppelganger or whatever but but yeah so 
Not a brothel, mind you, a phone sex telephone company. So, And she, the owner and operator of this, answers the phone the way a madam would answer the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello, Senator, whatever. Yes, you can, you know, she's ready for you on line four, and he transfers her over, right? It's just like, what? What? So they have this conversation, and she's just like, oh, hang on one second. Yes, intimate connections. How can I? <laughs> <laughs> it's a busy office of many people, you know? Yeah. Just so much of this movie is like, it's not just that the dialogue is bad or the directing is bad or the acting is wooden or the concept is thin. It's that, you know, in sci-fi, like, the logic you establish, I have a kind of a running riff on Prometheus this way where the, he ostensibly hires the best and greatest minds in all these fields, an exobiologist, and right? And they all go to this planet in the in the middle of nowhere. This is a completely different planet from Earth. And one of the first things they all do is take off their helmets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know a single scientist. They're like, air seems fine. I'm like, come, this is just not the logic of the world you're creating here, right? Yeah. And so there's just so much of this movie that, it's not even sci-fi. It's like human beings don't interact that way, you know? It having Handing her the dictionary and having her read it out loud as though, as though she says, I know what it is, and he doesn't believe her, so he's for... You know, it's just like people don't behave in the way that people in this movie behave. And some of it, because it's trying to be funny, right? Like, she shows up and wants the room, and he's kind of like, room? Um, And he even does like a, please, please, please. Like, she turns yeah. away, and he, you know, and you're just like, who is this for? Like, what are you, are you actually praying? Or what's this Lotsy you're doing here, you know? And it's clearly for us, the audience, but the whole movie isn't breaking the fourth wall in that way, where it's like, mm, I don't know, what a dame. It just was, it continually <laughs> irritated me. And I, then we I, get to the end, they seem to have, that's the movie they seem to have wanted to be making the whole time. But I don't know if they only had the budget for one transformation scene or if it, if other, they have little flashes of it. There's lots of nightmares, right? The mm-hmm. nightmare trope is a thing that happens at least three times, which is not uncommon to horror movies, right? But, it keeps coming back, like, oh, no, now this is happening. Oh, it's a nightmare. Okay, fine. Oh, and then it happens again another time. Okay, well, that was something kind of different. Okay. But then by the end, it's like, oh, now we're at the funeral. Oh, it's a nightmare. I'm like, do you just suffer from chronic nightmares? Or, <laughs> yeah, like, how many of these are we going to see? Well, and when she has, uh, I, th- I think basically, like, each time she has sex, there's kind of a flash in her eyes of something that appears to be some kind of a creature, but we don't, you know, it's kind of blurry, so we don't really know what's happening. But I kind of took some of this as the, the movie to me outside of the, um, outside of the scenes with the partner who, as you said, is this, you know, she's this smart ass. And those were, she was clearly supposed to be funny, but I felt like the rest of the movie, they were playing it straight. And I almost took it as, 
this is one of these movies that it it feels like it was written by like a 14 year old boy <laughs> and and because this would be a 14 year old boy fantasy of oh i live alone and hey i put an ad in the paper or whatever and it just happens to be this beautiful girl shows up in my room to rent you know um so I, that's how i kind of took it is it, it was just a very kind of juvenile uh worldview i guess you could say yeah you know? but don't you feel like the whole thing was winding up for that big final scene how long they spent on the transformation and the practical monster effect yeah yeah i think it would have been they did the kind of head fake of the bad doctors in drag right and you're like oh so it wasn't two people you know at first you're like oh she's nuts there's she's multiple personalities and then you're like oh no there actually is another person and then at the end they're sort of like ha, it's not two people it's literally a monster in her or something you know and yeah and it just felt like that happened so fast right at the end and that it they they spent so much time and energy on this creature effect that they really wanted the whole movie to be more creature centric didn't you feel that i felt that as well yeah and as a, a little bit of an aside with the creature effects those were done by greg nicotero who um is famous now for i mean he started out as a special effects guy but he has directed a lot of the walking dead episodes i, I looked oh. it up and he's directed like 35 walking dead episodes or something like that so he's transitioned from primarily a special effects guy to um you know to directing so this was an early uh effort by him i looked up the budget was listed as being estimated at three million dollars well there um, you go so um but yeah i felt like it you know the the reveal with the doctor is so ridiculous because it looks pretty good for a three million dollar movie yeah yeah it's especially it's, in 1993 actually like yeah it's it's not a bad looking movie i mean when we get to the effects at the end they're pretty hokey they reminded me of the effects in life force that we watched earlier on the show you know, those kind of zombie yeah. animatronic zombies. Animatronic zombies. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a bit of that. Um, but yeah, it, you know, the, the reveal with the doctor is so ridiculous because there's no, you're just like, you know, how in the hell would this guy have dressed up as all these different, it just makes no sense. And it, you know, I guess, like you said, they're trying to do this double fake, but it would have been more effective, I think, if all along they would have just had it been, you know, almost sort of like a werewolf movie where it's, she is essentially this good person who, you know, and it wouldn't even have to be explained, but turns into this creature and goes and, and kills anybody that, that gets in her way. Right. So a werewolf model kind of. Yeah. Except uh, they made their own, they made their own creature, you know, that would have been pretty effective. They could have, you know, toyed with the idea of is she, is she not, um, and then just revealed that at, at the end. But the the having the thing with the doctor was just so. I mean, it was entertaining because I laughed really hard at it, but <laughs> but it just makes no sense. Do you have any information on the director there? Because I didn't recognize. Uh, so I looked. I had looked. I'm going to look at him right now. I had looked him up before, and he didn't really direct much of any 
No. Because so. if, if this was a young guy who had strings to money and somebody was like, you know what you need, kid, is a backer, and they used their resources to make sure that the film got $3 million in it, not a student film, but a young person making their first feature or... Because if that's the lens you look at it through, it's impressive in a lot of ways. He produced right? the three million dollar budget stuff. really changes. I mean, it doesn't make it a good movie for me, but it makes it yeah. more impressive. And then some of the directing issues, you know, a, a younger or greener director wouldn't necessarily know. Well, this is my name on this, so the script says this, but I don't like that. I'm going to change it, or I don't have the experience. You know, Drew Barrymore is. Uh, you know, somebody I've seen in these other movies and I, I'm kind of in reverence of, you know, I don't want to give her too many directions because I'm she's the actress and I'm, you know, she knows what's best. You know, those are young and green director mistakes. Um, mm -hmm. It looks a lot like so he is Israeli and it looks like so this is like looking through his list of films it's just a lot of stuff that I've never heard of before. Yeah. And it, it looks like most of his films were made in Israel. Sure. Um, so I kind of wonder if I'm just guessing, but I kind of wonder if this was his opportunity to make a, um, an American, an American studio film and it probably bombed. Um, he did a movie called, savage that i don't i mean there's basically nothing that you'd be like oh yeah i know that movie um so it looks like maybe i, I like i say i'm just guessing that he probably tried to make it in the u.s and it didn't work out for him uh he did a movie called raw nerve in 1999 with mario van peebles so and zach galligan from um gremlins and that's that's one I've never heard or seen, you know. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I so in terms of recommending this thing, I I hesitate to ask anyone to sit through this whole movie because I didn't enjoy sitting through this whole movie. Um, you know, it wasn't like I wasn't tearing my eyes out, but. I had to, I'm like, look, I have to watch this whole thing because it felt like homework. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. The ending was entertaining. Uh, by the time you get that far, it was so bonkers and it, it changed directions so fast and such major swings that, you know, and the creature effects were kind of original. I had never seen a person twist into two people before. I felt like they were doing, there was a bit there where kind of prior when you talked about where she twists around and looks like this big worm i was getting some uh, vibes of the thing that they were trying to maybe yep. do something along those lines you know for a bit there because it's that there's kind of also, slimy gooey yep and there's also some shots where it's they're still shots that that's sort of moving around but it's not you don't see it's splitting apart in two people but it's sort of half of her face and half of a monster face, very like the thing, very like mm -hmm. in the thing where it hadn't, the thing hadn't completed taking human form, and it was a sort of a mess, a kind of Cronenberg, ugh, you know, mess of tissue and goo, and but but parts of a human face and a you know a big, um, 
kind of a, a twisted maw or a, the mouth is kind of a rictus of agony and, you know, um, very, very reminiscent of that. Yeah. And they, they clearly made, you know, this is stage one, stage two, and stage three models, and then they're kind of moving the camera and shaking it to make it look like it's in. But you don't you don't get to watch two heads split apart like you do in The Thing. You know, there's just a sort of a shot of this model they made where it's – and then it cuts away and more twisting and more wind and more <laughs> – Yeah. But again, on 3 million, like, I don't know – it's ambitious. It's a case of like the thing looking good enough that you cri- you criticize it the way you would criticize a bigger, more expensive picture. I mean, in some ways, if this felt more like a student film, I, I would have. It's funny what you go in with expectations because it's like a studio thing, and there's, you know, there's clearly uh, professional lighting and sound, and it's a professional production, yeah. but. Um, it doesn't deliver like a professional production. It, it feels like a student film in a lot of ways. And I think if I'd have gone into it thinking this was a $3 million budget, they bit off more than they could chew. Um, and they were really, you know, they did some stuff very smartly, but their focus was kind of all over the place. Then I think I wouldn't harsh. I wouldn't feel so harshly about it. Um, but again, I went into it thinking this was just a big studio thing that it ended up being a dud. And I think for three million, it it was a kind of a different animal. I mean, I don't. That being said, I don't know in 1993 what you would spend on a creature feature. Nowadays, of course, you spend more than that. But maybe that was a lot of money in 1993. I don't yeah, know, I and, feel like it. And you know, you were shooting on film in '93, right? You yeah. were shooting on digital. Like, that's hugely no. expensive to shoot a union movie on film. Uh, some people, somebody told me once that it's like anything under a $5 million budget in Hollywood was considered a low budget film. Mm-hmm. Because just to pay everybody in craft services and union, everything, film development, all the equipment, just to get people on set for the six weeks that you would shoot a feature film. You're pushing $5 million. Sure. So to do anything for less than that, especially if you have talent, is like, wow, you're a rainmaker, you know? And looking back, so this is almost 30 years ago now, you know, and this would have been pre-CGI days. So there were no, except like really, really bad, there were no, nobody was doing movies like this where the creature would have been all CG. Whereas now that's probably what it would, you know, what they would do. It'd either be all CG or it'd be a combination of practical and, and CG effects. So in 1993, if we had watched this, you know, maybe we would have, would have looked at it and been like, Hey, that's a pretty cool effect. I don't know. Maybe we still would have just laughed at the effect. Um, like we did watching it, but I watched this in, in not in one sitting, I watched this over the course of a couple of days. So maybe I didn't, I didn't find myself super bored with it, but if I had watched it, you know, if I just watched it all in it, and I watched it over the weekend during the day. And I've found myself over the last year, um, I'll do a quick little review of something I watched last night. I watched a movie called the devils from 1971 Mm-hmm. That was directed by Ken Russell, and it stars uh, Oliver Reed. Have you ever seen it or heard of it? No, nope. 
So it's this kind of notorious film that I had read a lot about over the years and been curious about. It was more or less banned, I think. Um, Warner Brothers wouldn't release it on DVD for a long time. And there was an online petition and finally they released it on DVD and I think it's out of print, blah, blah, blah. But I watched it streaming and it is uh, Oliver Reed is a priest in the 1600s. And um, it's in this village where kind of like all the village in France, sort of all the villages around have been ravaged by um, the plague. And he's the priest in this town kind of trying to keep everything together and there's a monastery nearby of nuns and this one nun lusts after him and she has these fantasies about him and everything. And he winds up, he gets married and she's so angered at him being married that she accuses him of witchcraft, like to get back at him. And she convinces these other nuns to go along with it and to prove that he's a witch. They, just engage in as much depraved activity as they can. And they say that they were like under his spell. So they're having orgies in the church and all this stuff. And basically the end of the movie, he's labeled, you know, uh, in league with Satan or whatever. And the powers that be in the church, they torture him and then uh, burn him at the stake. (laughs) And so it's this very, it's this very well-made movie but very disturbing and very dark and just a really, really messed up movie. And at the end, I, you know, I appreciated the filmmaking of it, but I just felt terrible, you know? And, and over the last year with just everything that's happened in the world, I have found myself not wanting to watch really heavy things like that. You know what I mean? So these just kind of dumb movies are kind of hitting me at the right time. Um, so I think I liked it a little bit more than you. I was definitely, I, I would put this in a kind of so bad it's good category. It's just so ridiculous. And So you and would recommend it? I would recommend it from just how insane the ending is. It's, it's kind of- I recommend of, people watch the ending, but you do yeah. kind of have to see- at least you have to at least skim through some of the, you. Yeah, you could fast forward some of it. it. You wouldn't be, it wouldn't hurt at all to fast forward. I just kind of felt like, and I think maybe I probably set you up for, you know, because I went into this completely blind. I knew nothing about this movie. It just came up on Amazon. I was like, hey, you might like this. I thought, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, uh, and I rarely do that, just go into something, sure. you know, not knowing anything about it. So, I don't think I would have finished it if that had been, if it was like, you might like this. I think I'd have gotten about 15 minutes into it and been like, pass. Yeah. I don't, like I say, maybe it just found me in a, in a strange mood or whatever, but I got to the end and I was just like, what the hell? Why have I never heard of this movie before? Why do people not? Yeah. Why do people not talk about this as being this super, it just seems like a movie that nobody's seen and it's been just kind of overlooked, you know? So so it was I interesting have... to see Drew Barrymore in this role. Yeah. It's unlike anything else I've ever seen her in. And you I know, bet and she was trying pretty to... pretty young. I mean, I she's an adult, but... But I bet she was trying to shed that child that image. Sense. You know, she probably thought, oh, this is going to be... This is a crazy, you know, sex movie and sci-fi and everything. And And we've talked about this before. You know, me never having been on a, you know, a real film set or in a movie or anything, I... You know, I I've always wondered if 
people when they're doing something like this do they know they're making a bad movie or do they are you able to see that you know i'm sure in some instances they are but i know there's you know famously there's stories about when star wars was being made where they had this british crew they were just like yeah this thing's gonna be a turkey you know um so i don't know i think it depends on the movie i think um you know, there are some movies where it is, it's a train wreck on every level and mm-hmm. you don't have faith in the director. And yeah, I'm sure in instances like abusive, that. right? And you're just yeah. kind of like, wow, nobody's enjoying making this movie. And it's hard to imagine that this is going to end up feeling and looking good on screen since it feels and so bad in the making of it. Right. Know? Yeah. But Absolutely. I think there are other ones. And I we talked about Megaforce. There are other ones where everybody thinks like, this is get up break records. Like we're having so much fun and this is so awesome. And these tanks are so cool. I'm mean, look at that shot. You know, you watch, if you're allowed to watch the dailies, which when you're shooting on digital, you can see them right away. So you can shoot all day and you can even shoot a scene and then take a break, let everybody go to lunch or something. And you can review the footage that you've got, Right. You don't have to go and develop the film overnight and and look at the dailies the following morning. You can, did I get that? You can watch the digital footage and you go, oh, great. I feel like I got that. Moving on, you know? So that's also easy to, if you want the actors to see it, or in the, the, the few movies that I've made, I was also a producer. So I was, uh, I, I was able to kind of watch the dailies. Um, and somebody said at one point when we were editing, we were looking at the dailies that we had shot, and somebody said um, the the final movie is always better than the rough cut, and never quite as good as the dailies, <laughs> right? Ah, so you, yeah. You shoot a thing, and then you look at it, and you're like, oh my god, that looks so great, you know, and you're so excited about it. Um, but just a great looking shot or a great looking scene reviewing it the when we just finished having sh- shooting it um you know doesn't necessarily add up to a good movie <laughs> and i'm sure there's probably a forest for the trees kind of a thing where if you work on something for months and months you know or maybe even a year or whatever where you know do you have objectivity anymore where you yeah you really know what you have i mean i'm sure the really great filmmakers do but i'm sure there's a lot of people that are like well we did the best we could we don't really know what we you know what we have by the end but with this i'm in I... awe i'm in awe of great filmmakers that way like you, you yeah they they have to have such a clear idea of what they want from start to finish and it is even if you shoot a movie in six weeks with is very fast um it's a lot of it's the pace at which you go is scene by scene and you frequently shoot out of sequence because of reasons of cast or location mm-hmm. and just to 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 know that to know the puzzle well enough that each individual piece you have that clear picture in your mind so you know you're what you're trying to get that I'm in awe of that that's really quite something um Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I could do that. Certainly not without, not without a lot of practice. Um, and even the really greats, you know, like Spielberg. You know, you read and watch stuff about Jaws, and he had that great editor that edited, I think, several of his movies, 
and you know it it i think spielberg kind of admitted he had a, a mess and it was really the editor that made yeah jaws into a great into a great movie you know but absolutely i absolutely i i agree with that and the editor it's so hard to appreciate what an editor does because it's unless you're looking at the editing it's by design it's supposed to be invisible right what you're mm-hmm. supposed to be seeing are the performances and the the human interactions going on on the screen sound design is a little more present right because frequently there's a musical score that is kind of even subtly underlining the emotional you know context of the scene slightly more obscure than that is just the the sound design of the film so not the music that you hear in the film but the crickets the door that creaks the all the little sound that just fill out the world more than being a two-dimensional image um, that has a huge effect on the mood and the tone of the entire film. But the editor, like you think, what's the difference? You know, he says his line and then it cuts over to her face and then it cuts back to his face. But editing is so much more than just that, right? It The, the timing is kind of everything. And how long you linger after that last line finishes and stays on the face as he watches the car drive away and or when you know in black hawk down when the the black hawk helicopters are flying in uh, over mogadishu for the first time and it and the the troop um the humvees are coming in on the ground and the the way in which the pace of where the camera goes next is so so powerfully influencing the the literal pulse of what you're watching on the screen, right? It's like almost like the beating of a drum, you know, now this, now that, now this. And and listening to this, you may be like, whatever. But when you start to see really great editing, you can make a mediocre movie look great. And it, lousy editing can take what, what could be a really great movie and make it mediocre. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... To be fair to Spielberg and Jaws, though, sure, I I appreciate him giving props to the editor, and the editor did a terrific job. But he also got some, oh, some sure, great sure. performances. Oh yeah, you know yeah. the editor can't do that. The editor no. can't uh, can't give you that chemistry that those three guys had on that boat. It's just you know. Oh yeah, that's yeah. just great directing and great yeah. acting. Yeah, great, great everything. Along those lines, you were talking about the sound design. Um, music as well. I watched another really bad one and I, it was hard for me to get through it, but I just wanted to see how it ended. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, I watched this. They made a sequel to American Psycho uh, in 2002 with Mila Kunis. And, no kidding. Yeah, and it has almost nothing to do with the first one. It It is her um, and she is a college student who is uh, she's in this uh, program, this, uh, I don't know, like psychology program or something like that. And she's in this class taught by William Shatner. And everybody who takes this class is wanting to be his student assistant, because if you become, if he picks you as the student assistant, then you automatically get an internship at Quantico. And she is, 
her goal is to do this. And so this all is these a other, sequel to American this Psycho? This is a sequel to American Psycho, Psycho. The only thing that it has to do with American Psycho is in the beginning, it shows that when she was a little girl, uh, her babysitter, babysitter went out on a date with Patrick Bateman. And um, for some reason, the... Uh, the babysitter took her along or so, somehow Patrick Bateman was in the home with Mila Kunis as a little girl and this babysitter. And he ties the babysitter up and is going to kill her. And Mila Kunis kills him before he's able to do that. And nobody ever realizes that she, this little girl was the one who uh, had killed him. So that's the only connection that it has to the first movie. And so we then cut to, you know, she's at this college and she wants to be uh, William Shatner's student assistant. And so there's all these other students who are trying to do the same thing. So she kills all of them. <laughs> so it turns out she's a serial killer. But it was a movie that the it, it wouldn't have been great no matter what. But it's this supposed to be serial killer movie. And it has this terrible score that is almost like three stooges music or something like that, that makes it this ridiculous, you know, dumb sort of comedy. Whereas if they had used better music, it, again, it wouldn't have been a great movie, but it would have been kind of suspenseful in parts. Yeah. And instead it just comes off as real slapstick comedy with this awful music. And so I, I'm just watching and it was like, wow, this is an example of music ruining a film, you know? Um, so, yeah. you know, that's, but uh, back to the doppelganger, I never really felt like, and you know, who knows what was happening on the set? You know, they may have known that we that they had a turkey, but I didn't really feel like there was a lot of winking at the camera. You know, I felt like, um, you know, Drew Barrymore. It was supposed to be this, you know, kind of dramatic um, for her. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think they were taking an earnest swing at it i think yeah. you know depending on the scene they were directed like okay this is a comic scene like the whole please 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 what yeah what do you think is she's <laughs> gonna take the room i mean to be fair that's what happens they end yeah. up having a relationship but it's like who does nobody that's just a big broad zany slapsticky move people right. don't put their hands together and say please 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 when you're alone in a room with a person who turns their back yeah, yeah. that's something you do for an audience on stage in vaudeville um, yeah exactly so you know anyway we're, we're at time so sure. i want to wrap this up but um so i would say I, I do admire the ending it is absolutely bonkers and I, I guess i would say like if you've listened to this and you're still interested by all means check it out and don't yeah. be shy about fast forward but if it's just somebody looking for a popcorn movie with their date or their significant other um i it, it didn't really float my boat i mean you could look it up on amazon and just watch the end that's interesting if you're into the creature stuff um yeah I would just say a mild, it's just a very mild recommendation for me from the standpoint of it's by no means a good movie. If you want to see Drew Barrymore, you know, he's kind of America's sweetheart in a just a bonkers, a, a film with a bonkers ending. Um, it's, you know, it's mildly entertaining. It's definitely a, you know, you're just at the end, you're just going to be like, what did I watch? So <laughs> I was, I was like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> uh, so so Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com if you got questions, comments, suggestions, positive feedback. Yes, we're on we, all the socials. And um, we haven't discussed what we're going to do next week. So, or did we? Well, did we know what we're going to do. What was uh, the plan, Sputnik? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that oh, that looks really good. Actually, this will, will hopefully maybe be a uh, a palate cleanser because this looks like a good it serious looks scary. Movie. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a scary alien kind of comes back with the spaceship thing from the trailer. It's a so, twenty twenty Russian science fiction film that got subtitles. Some, some good accolades. Russian language. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it it's actually really good. It's a Russian, it's a Russian production. So. Yes. The, that we can watch and they've subtitled in English. So um, check and out the trailer. On, if you want. And it's on, is it on prime? I know I saw it for free somewhere. It might be on Hulu. You don't have Hulu, right, Chris? Uh, I don't have Hulu, but you okay. know. I know I'll I saw rent. it somewhere. I mean, if it's for rent yeah. somewhere, I can rent it or whatever. I, I think it's it's Hulu either on Prime or Hulu for free. If you know, if people have have one of those, but so. cool. So this is a new one, sci-fi, and um, that's what we're gonna watch for next week. Sputnik. Um, so good talking to you as always. Yes. And um, that's us signing off. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>